Hello and welcome to our IBM Be Equal podcast. I'm Jill Stewart, the Director of Diversity and Inclusion at IBM. Thanks for joining our conversation around DNI to learn how we at IBM are continuously looking for ways to expand equality and allyship across the enterprise. We have eight DNI communities focused on making a difference for underrepresented groups. And here is an opportunity for you to hear directly from our IBMers. Every month, we have a new episode. So enjoy. So hello and welcome to our Be Equal podcast, where IBMers have the opportunity to be vocal, be powerful, be proud, and be heard, and share their active allyship. Our podcast series explores seemingly simple issues that we all face, but don't often talk about out loud. I'm your host, Joy DeTori, and I am the Global Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Leader at IBM. My pronouns are she and her. I'm speaking to you today live from South Florida, which is also known as the ancestral lands of the Miccosukee and Seminole Nations. And today I'm here with three IBMers. You're going to go ahead and have the opportunity to get better acquainted with each one of them. I'm going to say their names and then you're going to hear their voices. And then we're going to go into the questions. So the three IBMers I'm here with today is I wanted to first of all welcome Raquel Katigbeck, Mike Hollinger, and Gemma Woodcock. And with that, I think I'm going to let you put your voices and names together. So Raquel, let's start with introductions with you. Thank you, Joy. You're amazing at this, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, Raquel. Maybe they'll ask me to keep coming back. <laughs> so my name, as Joy said, is uh, Raquel Katigbak. My pronouns are she, her. I have been a fervent IBMer for the last 12 years. My current role is leading uh, technology and innovation for one of IBM's largest telco clients. Excellent. Thank you, Raquel. Gemma, how about to you? Hi, I'm Gemma Woodcock. I'm based here in the UK. I've been an IBMer for, well, nearly 40 years now, 25 of them in uh, data uh, in a customer-facing role. And I'm a proud trans woman. Excellent. And Mike, I think we'll put the exclamation point on our introductions with you. Thanks, Joy. So my name is Michael Hollinger. I'm here in Austin, Texas, and I'm a distinguished engineer and master inventor in IBM sustainability software team. I also lead out at IBM Austin, one of our business resource groups, which we'll come to in a bit. Excellent. And now that we have the introductions over and you've been able to associate their voices with their names, I'm going to go ahead and not disappoint and ask my first question. So Raquel, I'm going to come over to you first. Can you tell our audience about your own journey to allyship with regards to the LGBTQ plus community? Yes. So, so I came to getting involved with IBM's LGBTQ plus community as a parent to a non-binary kid. So my eldest came out about three years ago as a gay non-binary person. And uh, the first time they started talking about it, they called all the family together in the living room. It was a very hot day in my flat in Rome, our family house in Rome. And they were so overwhelmed, emotionally overwhelmed. They were crying. I couldn't even understand the words that were coming out of their mouth, actually. And I had to turn to my husband going, what is it that they want to say? And it was my youngest, actually, who said, mom, they're gay and non-binary. 
And so that was just a light bulb for me because I thought, okay, how do I act in that moment? And how do I act coming up uh, further, right, to, to help them through whatever they needed help with? So, of course, uh, coming, having grown up in Canada, a very, I think, gender-affirming society, more, more, than, more than most, I've been really lucky because we have, I ha also already have a lot of LGBTQ plus members in my own extended family. And so I knew that the acceptance from my own family around my eldest coming out was, was not going to be that much of an issue. It was more about how the immediate Italian family would be able to react because, of course, very traditional. The nonna, the grandmother, my mother-in-law was at the time in her late 80s. I didn't even know if, if, if she was aware of what LGBTQ stands for. So I knew that there was a little bit of a journey going through there. But I think my, so my first port of call really was uh, tapping into IBM and the community of our LGBTQ plus community here in IBM specifically because I just needed answers. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Slack was my biggest friend in those first few months, getting to know the Italian BRG business resource group team um, and having some really terrific support from individuals in IBM who themselves had gone through that journey, who were parents of LGBTQ plus community members themselves, I got so much support from there. And that really started my journey as, as, a, as an active ally. I would say before that I was performative to really be ashamed to say that, but it, it was true. And it was more about just saying, yeah, of course, I believe in LGBTQ plus rights. But the more that I got involved with the community, the more that I understood the different challenges that they were really there, and the more that I wanted to really give back with, with blood, sweat, and tears, really, to, to really raise the voices and um, have more of those stories heard. I will tell you, first of all, thank you so much for your courage and your vulnerability. I'm so glad that IBM was here to help you and to love you and Elvis and your entire family through this because it absolutely is a family journey. I am proud to say for those of you that don't know, IBM does have a friends and family support group for the LGBTQ plus community. And Raquel, you are such a staunch supporter because it's personal, right? And then there was something else that you mentioned, Raquel, that I think is so important for all those parents who are out there. This impacts not just an individual, it impacts an entire family. And so if there are family members who are out there and who are struggling, I hope they find inspiration in your story because there was something that you said that really resonated with me and that was how did I act in that moment because it was really going to matter so Raquel thank you so much for sharing Gemma I'm going to come over to you as I get the lump out of my own throat from Raquel's story and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about allyship let's keep this conversation thread going if you feel comfortable, I know that you have a powerful story. Would you be willing to share the powerful story of when someone demonstrated allyship to you? Lots of people have, have demonstrated allyship in, in different ways. And in fact, Joy, you are the person who first demonstrated allyship to me. Wow, must be nearly eight years ago now when I was first in a position to to talk about being trans uh, to somebody in IBM. And we ended up uh, talking. I vividly remember you were the first person in IBM to ask me how I wanted to be addressed, what my name was, which really touched me. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you put me in touch with the resource group. And years later, uh, I, the support that I got from the resource group was part of, of what 
gave me the confidence during lockdown to finally bite the bullet and to change my name and to tr transition professionally, transition within IBM. And so that was, uh, what, a couple of years ago, two and a bit years ago. And uh, not long after that, I was invited. So I, as I said, I've, I've been in IBM a long time. I'm a senior technical uh, person. And I was invited by Raquel to sit on a panel of senior women in technology to talk about their experience of how they had got to be senior and, and the challenges they had, had faced. And I wasn't invited as a trans woman. I was invited as a woman. And I mean, Raquel, you talk about being a passive or being an active ally. That absolutely is active allyship. It made me feel wonderful, really wonderful. And it, it made me feel truly part of the women's community within within IBM, as well as obviously being part of the LGBTQ plus community. So that to me will always be one of my highlights. Gemma, I love that. And I wish everybody that's on the podcast could actually see how big our smiles are and the validation and the recognition of one another. Thank you so much. And I would say, Raquel, thank you so much as well for validating the importance of Gemma and Gemma in her new skin and Gemma showing up at IBM in her most authentic way. And I will say not only for Gemma, but also for your Elvis, the importance of people realizing that we are such complex individuals. None of us shows up as one dimensional. I know that we've heard the term intersectionality used and many times we use it incorrectly than its original intention. So I'm gonna use that we're multi-dimensional, we're cross community beings as humans and validating the validation experience that you helped with Gemma to bring her along in all of the dimensions that she could contribute to that experience of technical women at IBM. So thank you for being an amazing ally, Raquel. And Gemma, thank you for sharing, by the way. So Mike, I'm gonna come over to you. We've heard the words used already, business resource groups. And for people who are not familiar when we use the term business resource groups, you might hear it in other organizations referred to as employee groups or infinity groups. But at IBM, we choose to call them business resource groups because we believe having these affinity connections, it is core to who we are and it is instrumental to our business. In addition to that, we have 200 business resource groups worldwide, and they span 52 countries. So they happen to be one way that we expand our diversity and inclusion strategy. So with business resource groups as a context for diversity and inclusion at IBM, from your perspective as a leader of business resource groups, and you mentioned out at Austin, what is the purpose of business resource groups at IBM. So Joy, you, you made a point um, and highlighted a point around being multidimensional, right? And this is one of the ways that uh, I actually define myself. I'm a dad, I'm an engineer, I'm an executive in the company. I have a husband, right? These are all different things that are just me, right? I'm, I'm me-shaped. The business resource group as a context offers employees offers IBMers a place to to connect with other people that are in that same context. And 
what's unique about IBM here is that we have the what I call the mothership uh, in that, you know, there's the corporate structure. We have the international leadership for our LGBT plus employees, uh, persons with diverse abilities, others, right? But we also have at the local level, um, a leadership uh, organization as well. For out at IBM Austin, we actually define the group and draw back to three themes. Those are eminence, professional growth, and community give back. And those themes are important because that's how we can know where we're going to choose to invest, where we're going to choose to engage, and how to make the most impact for people. As an example, I was actually at a networking event and a new hire reached out to me. Uh, he'd done uh, an internship program that we have uh, for top talent called Extreme Blue. I, I did that a long time ago. And he'd written patents and I'd written some patents. And uh, we said, hey, we should collaborate. And a few months later, we ended up kickstarting something we're calling hashtag ATX Innovation, which has been running for over six years. And we've helped hundreds of IBMers write their first invention disclosures. So these people are now a title we have called Master Inventor, which recognizes uh, community impact for uh, intellectual property. And we partner with Familia at IBM Austin and the Austin Te uh, Technical Vitality Council to scale this. That wouldn't have happened without a chance conversation over a coffee. I, I love that we can do that. And the serendipity right in the moment. I mean, who could have ever predicted that this chance encounter? Again, it really reinforces, Mike, thank you so much for talking about not only is it the commonality of what we see that makes us have something in common, we're all at the very core IBMers, but there's so much more to us. And here was this business opportunity six years later, right? And you are helping other IBMers not only develop their skills, explore their passion and contribute to the greater good all because of opportunity. So Mike, thank you so much for doing that for IBMers. Absolutely. I wanted to go to my next question. And Raquel, I think I'm going to come back to you. I know that you have shared your story about you had family members who happened to be members of the LGBTQ plus community. You identify yourself as an ally. And so I think it's really important as we build allyship outside of the LGBTQ plus community, how can individuals outside of the community, better support the entire spectrum of individuals within the LGBTQ plus community? So I think it's a great question. And it's something that I've been thinking about a lot as we, of course, want to reach out to the broadest segment, which is the ally segment to help raise LGBTQ plus voices around the world. I do think that that folks who are who want to be allies have to understand the burden of responsibility and the burden of action. Right. So that um, the recognition that there are stories out there of experiences that are likely never going to happen in your own lifetime to yourself, but are touching people whose lives are affected, whose families are affected, et cetera. So recognition that those individuals are out there, that you do want, you know, satisfy your innate curiosity to get those stories heard, understand your own biases that may prevent you from from understanding or even empathizing with that person, and then also getting over your biases of inaction. I do think it's really interesting. Again, I, I keep thinking to myself about this difference between a performative ally and an active ally. 
And it's something that I that I always want to struggle with every day because I want to make sure that I'm on the right that side of action as opposed to just talking about something, let's put something in action. So I do think that recognition of biases, the recognition of understanding, the recognition of really, I think, fulfilling your curiosity of where what can I do next? Who should I be reaching out to? Is there a group within my organization or within my community that I should be um, challenging myself to learn more about? And then getting to know people within that community so that you then can understand what is it that they need to to work, to understand really what is the support that they need and how you as an individual can act. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the reasons why I think the the whole initiatives around the Vital Few squads are going to be really important, right? And I think it's it's a way of giving back to the community to take to take volunteer work outside of your day to day to then to then do something for that for that community. So Raquel, you know, y'all can't see this, but I have uh, a lanyard with my IBM badge on it, right? But it's a uh, IBM LGBT plus ally lanyard with all the different colors, and you know, Gamma's got one as well. Uh, and uh, it, it's uh, we've all got these, right? <laughs> Raquel just showed hers, and. I wear this. Uh, I used to always put my badge uh, on my hip, on my belt, uh, when I first started as a new hire. And then I put my belt wallet just because, you know, no one would fire me if I didn't show it unless I showed it. Uh, And then I realized it's really important to showcase that allyship, right? And now I I proudly wear the lanyard and, you know, I have to keep my badge. to wear the lanyard at this point, but I wear it to to offer folks a chance to have that conversation. And probably about once every couple of months, someone you know asks a question or they they bring up something, and it's a chance to to go from that performative allyship to actually making an impact in someone's life. So I think that, that's an important point to make. Yeah, it's a visual symbol of I'm a safe space. So thank you for that. I also wanted to bring up a question for Mike. One of the things before I get to your question, Mike and Raquel and Gemma, I've actually had people at IBM who identify as transgender tell me this, and that is coming out and identifying as as transgender to be my authentic self was a matter of life and death. So Mike, I'm going to come over to you as a business resource group leader out in Austin. And I know that you have done so many impactful things over the years. So I want you to be able to tell our listeners from the perspective of a business resource group leader, can you share what is your proudest moment about LGBTQ plus inclusion at IBM? I actually joined IBM uh, because at the time we'd taken steps to add genetic privacy to our corporate policies among the other forward steps in the DE&I um, uh, policies in the, the corporation. And I found that amazing as a college student that you know, way back in the day, I won't say how long ago, uh, when it was a little bit uh, more expensive and a little more arduous than uh, what there is today, that the company had already chosen to to make that something that we take seriously. That, I think, plays out at all levels on behalf of the local, uh, behalf of the national uh, leaders, we engage with folks in the community. I actually had the chance to speak on behalf of the IBM Corporation on the steps of the Texas legislature 
calling out discriminatory legislation, um, one of the so-called bathroom bills. And it was a powerful moment seeing the coalition that was built up and seeing everyone's uh, different perspectives come together to align around that moment. And I'll tell you, recording one of those things on a blustery day with a little podium that was a stand-up podium and a microphone and a couple of cameras, and that was it. I didn't know we were going to be on international news, truly, until someone texted me and said, hey, I, I heard you on NPR. Like, that's amazing. And what's remarkable about it is that that's one of those chances to be a force multiplier for good. And I really appreciate that. And I love that we get to go do things along those lines. So, Mike, thank you so much for sharing the importance and the impact that you had with Texas legislators and being able to share your personal story about the importance of how this legislation didn't just impact you as an IBMer, but it impacted individuals where they live and where they work. And just for perspective, I wanted to talk a little bit about legislation and where we are today in 2023. So far, we have seen 540 anti-LGBT bills introduced into the United States, and 220 of those are anti-trans, and 70 of them have been enacted into law. The other thing that I want to share for perspective is the size and the impact of IBM. As a global company that does business in more than 170 countries, we talked about legislation just in the United States, but as a global company for perspective, there are 27 countries outside of the United States where IBM does business, where being a member of the LGBTQ plus community, it's criminalized. So when we talk about the importance and the impact of legislation on individuals and their lives, and it being a matter of being able to live safely in their communities, it's important that we understand how we support our employees. So with that, Jim, I think you wanted to share something. BRGs and allies are absolutely fundamental here. So, I mean, here I sit thousands of miles away from the states where, where these terrible things are happening. But I'm a trans woman. Uh, they impact me indirectly, but they, they still impact me. There's potentially stuff happening in the UK. But as you say, there, there are a lot of other countries in the world where things are even worse. And the fact that we get, we all as part of the community get get this this impact, this emotional load is so helpful having a community where not just we can be ourselves going into the office, but we have a community where we can really share how we're feeling, not just to other trans non-binary colleagues, but to the wider LGBTQ plus community and wider than that to our allies. And that is a very powerful thing. And it it counteracts a lot of the negativity that that we inevitably feel given what's happening in, in places like the States at the moment. And Gemma, with that, you mentioned something, and I'm going to close with you as my last question. You talked about the importance and the burden of carrying an emotional load. And speaking of that emotional load, I'm going to let this be the last question. 
A lot of times when we talk about allyship, we often think that allyship means outside of the community. However, we've also spent time talking about the importance of diversity within the community. So can you spend a little bit of time talking about how the LGBTQ plus community and members of that community can be better allies to one another? So the first thing I would say is that in my experience in IBM, I've experienced fantastic allyship from the community. In fact, most of the people who have really supported me sort of close one-on-one, they're not trans, but they are part of the wider LGBTQ plus community. And then there are allies outside of that as well. But within the community, I think certainly, you know, we we do see, in, in if you like, in the wider world, tensions between different parts of the community. Absolutely, we see that. But I think for me, one one of the things that really helps in terms of pulling, let's face it, what is quite a disparate community. That the you know we're we're not we're talking about different characteristics that have been pulled together under the under the rainbow, and and what really pulls us together. We talked about inter- intersectionality. You touched on that before, but telling stories and sharing sharing experiences. And being able to understand that, okay, well, this person who's talking is is a gay man in the States. I'm a trans woman in the UK. But look at these things that we've got in common. The upbringing, the, the lack of language as a child to be able to understand what, what you are, to understand your own identity. All of these things, I, I think, are really powerful. And it's also powerful to see the differences and to understand the differences. Only uh, only last week, I was on a fantastic call talking with uh, somebody in Spain, talking about how the Spanish language has no concept of not being masculine or feminine, the whole language, and therefore being non-binary in, in, in a world where even, you know, the, the, the table you're sitting at is masculine or feminine and the house that you're in and whatever, everything is masculine or feminine. To try and explain to somebody in that environment that you're non-binary, and it just like blew my mind. You know, I don't speak Spanish, I speak a fair amount of French, but uh, and I suddenly thought, oh yeah, maybe I should talk to somebody in front. But it's that curiosity and Raquel, you too you talked about the curiosity and that learning. That's where I think where there, there is a real strength in, in working together. So powerful. And with that, I wanted to just end by saying, just because we have members of the LGBTQ plus community, you may interact with them and you may have no idea because being a member of the community can be such a diverse, invisible characteristic. And here's something that's really important for all of us to remember as we think about invisible and undetectable characteristics that we don't always see. Those invisible, undetectable characteristics, they still influence who we are, how we show up at work, and the decisions that we make every day. And with that, I wanted to say a big thank you to Gemma, to Mike, and to Raquel. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you so much for your courage. Thank you so much for your sharing. And I know that there have been times that you or even your families have experienced incivility. And I will say this about incivility. 
when people experience incivility, there is research out there that says, if I happen to be the target of this type of behavior, it impacts our emotions, our motivation, our performance. It impacts how we treat others. It even affects our attention and it can steal our brain power. So the next time we happen to be in conversations and we are not thinking about that other person's point of view, remember it impacts more than just their emotions. It impacts their performance at work. 